Radio. This is Catholics Read on cradio.org.au. Hello and welcome to this episode of Catholics Read. I'm Luke. And I'm Chiara. And I'm Victoria. And this week, contrary to what we said in the last episode... Uh, we Due are... to many, many tales of woe and misery. Hashtag uni. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag Luke trying to find a book in the library, but it turns out it was stolen. <laughs> um, we couldn't track it. I mean, Victoria managed to find a whole bunch of extra copies, but alas, it was too late. Uh, we are not this week doing the unbearable lightness of being. Uh, this week instead, we are doing something that's so short that we're going to read it on the air. That's how short it is. Uh, it's by William Butler Yeats, and it's a poem <clears throat> called Adam's Curse, um, which, I mean, that title alone piqued my interest. Uh, so, it's quite short. It's in three verse, four verses? Four um, verses. Victoria oh. will have more to say about that later. So, we'll just read it for you now, because it is quite short, uh, and hopefully this won't take too long, but let's begin. So, Adam's Curse. We sat together at one summer's end, that beautiful mild woman, your close friend, and you and I, and talked of poetry. I said, a line will take us hours, maybe. Yet if it does not seem a moment's thought, our stitching and unstitching has been naught. Better go down upon your marrow bones, and scrub a kitchen pavement, or break stones. Like an old pauper in all kinds of weather, for to articulate sweet sounds together, is to work harder than all these, and yet... Be thought an idler by the noisy set Of bankers, schoolmasters and clergymen The martyrs call the world and thereupon That beautiful mild woman for whose sake There's many a one shall find out all heartache On finding that her voice is sweet and low Replied, to be born woman is to know Although they do not talk of it at school That we must labour to be beautiful I said, it's certain there is no such fine thing since Adam's fall but needs much labouring. There have been lovers who thought love should be, so much compounded of high courtesy, that they would sigh and quote with learned looks, precedence out of beautiful old books. Yet now it seems an idle trade enough. We sat grown quiet at the name of love. We saw the last embers of daylight die, and in the trembling blue-green of the sky, a moon worn as if it had been a shell, washed by time's waters as they rose and fell. About the stars and broke in days and years, I had a thought for no one's but your ears, That you were beautiful, and that I strove To love you in the old highway of love, That it had all seemed happy, and yet we'd grown As weary-hearted as that hollow moon. Boom. Yeah, so, that's it right there. That was very short. That was only about two minutes. So, um, this is... Probably the least amount of preparation I have ever done for a Catholics Read episode. Um, yeah, so I think I might beat you. <laughs> Victoria. Alrighty. Um, Our literary expert. Uh, I'll start us off. Comparatively um, speaking in comparative any relative <laughs> term. Um, I'll start us off. I'll have to apologise. I've got a bit of a throat problems so I'll sound a bit strange. I can't actually hear it. So I can fun. though. Okay. I sound like I'm dying in phlegm. <laughs> that's, that's, that's beautiful. That's a, that's a good image. That's kind of poetic. That's what we call imagery. <laughs> Vivid imagery. <laughs> Use it in your writing. 
Um, righty. So as far as I can tell, no one particularly knows when this uh, poem was written. They think it was um, it was added in like a collection of poems uh, published in 1904. So they think it was about 1903, 1902. They think it was just a little bit before his love, uh, Maud Gone, Sounds great when you're Australian. Um, was about to marry someone else, uh, Mr. McBride. Maud really I think. was gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sad. I know. Anyway, because like um, William Butler Yeats was like obsessed with her for like a while, long, long time, and she was about to be married. So that sets a bit of a melancholy sort of theme for this poem, which is which is a memory and looking back. And essentially, the whole poem is about how you have to work to make things beautiful. So there's there are three people in this poem. There's the there's the speaker, there is his beloved, and there is also his beloved's good friend who is who is on um they're all sitting together um in this lovely end of summer evening. Um and it's quite funny because the beloved says nothing and this third wheel says quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Chaperone, I think, would be a more appropriate yeah, term uh, at the time. I like, I like the term third wheel. Third wheel. Academics think that this that this third wheel was actually Kathleen uh, Pilcher, uh, Maud Gon's uh, sister. But it's not really relevant who these people are, to be completely honest. So, uh, look, the poem's 39 lines. It's um, set in, according to Academia, set in three stanzas, but when reprinted everywhere, it's actually in four, or should I say three part A, three part B. It's, it's been interesting. And um, so the first stanza is in like a sonnet sort of form, and the sonnet is the is the pinnacle of uh, meditation in poetry, right? So it's fourteen lines. There's the volta or the turn in the middle, so around the eighth or ninth line, which I realise is not the middle of fourteen, but bear with me, it's just how it goes. After the it's the um, Petrarchan form of the sonnet, and so basically you have one idea in the first, and then you have the counter idea in the second. So at the volta, there's the turn. Right, so the first, yeah, so the first stanza is a sonnet, basically because he's talking about um, the day, the days of old when you had to you you worked hard to make a poem, but it turned out to look ease easeful. That's not a word. Easy. easy. <laughs> we have much easier words. <laughs> There's much easy in this. <laughs> um, and so the first the first stanza is about poetry and um, about how <laughs> Horn of Condor. Sorry, that was my phone. I'm glad well. that that's on air finally. <laughs> yeah, no, the hands have just been released. Calls, but now we we just we're just putting it out there. Horn of Condor on the air. What was that picture? <laughs> what were you saying again before we were so distracted? We were interrupted by the armies of Gondor. <laughs> Well, I'll read a line and then kind of elaborate. Uh, the, the speaker says, A line will take us hours maybe, yet if it does not seem a moment's thought, that is, like, carefree, our stitching and unstitching has been naught. So the main meditation of stanza one is basically, one of my favourite words in the whole world, sprezzatura. Ooh, sprezzatura. Yes, which is... Um, is a fashion term? not Italians in the room. Is well, that a fashion term? 
it might be now. I'm not really. It, co- it could be considering what it means. But basically, it was like coined by this guy or made made more famous by this guy called Baldassare Castiglione, Which who wrote is this book. A fantastic name. In a I know. <laughs> who wrote this the book of Courtier in 1528, and he wrote about this thing sprezzatura, which literally translates to nonchalant mastery or studied carelessness, which Yeats thinks should all poetry should be right. So you put a lot of work into it, and, but it looks like careless. So that so so it's a bit so it's a bit like. Yeah, no. Like the like the um like people who spend like three hours on their hair in the morning to make yes, it yes, like that beach hair, no effort into it. Yes, yeah. It's literally, it's literally that's how it's used these days. It's in terms of the men's fashion world, and it's basically yes, sprezzatura is the way that men dress. Is you dress absolutely impeccably, but you have one thing out of place. It might be your tie's a little bit so loose, like or your the, watch is over your car. The, the shirt, the... the belt, the funky belt buckle, or yeah. the, you know, it's it, but it, it's basically it's you can it's a mistake, mm-hmm. and I say inverted commas that's done intentionally to make it look like you actually don't care that much. So does that I so that's, that that's so a trend. Much. So that's a trend. That's a legit. So does that mean that we fashion. might by next year, which is the year that no, it's a, Back to the Future Part Two <laughs> takes place, that the Inside Out pockets might be a thing? Because <laughs> this is exciting. Possibly, I don't think that's kind of the art of sprezzatura because it's supposed you're supposed to look classic and classy. Not uh, like you just rolled out of bed. Not, like, not like, not like you know, <coughs> tussle hair. You rolled, is... in, you rolled in on your hoverboard. Or yeah, <laughs> no, unfortunately, no. The uh, Back to the Future Americans don't really do Brezzatura well, uh, and futuristically very well. <laughs> anyway, back to poetry because I'm sure that's what's its original context. The, the socio-cultural like implications of Brezzatura back in the 1500s was basically if you're a court courtly man, a man of the court, um, you would abide by all the rules and know all the languages and all the all the conventions, but it would look like you were absolutely at ease not trying at all which was you know very attractive um so what else okay, so it's so like being cool it's like yeah, being it's, cool it's the italian word for cool <laughs> it's just cool that's yeah. all it is there we go but but there's a dark side to sprezzatura because it there was there was the implication that you could be so good at it that you would live a life of deception ah that you would um, wake up and realize that you you were the mask, and you couldn't. Sh- yeah, it's really really interesting. Anyway, uh, <laughs> enough about that. Um, the second stanza, basically, the third wheel chimes in, and she's like, "Yeah, you know, at school they they don't really tell us that you know women need to work to be beautiful. So it's all about it's all about putting on the veneers, facades, that sort of thing." Um, but also about how you have to work to make things beautiful. And the speaker says, yeah, you know, you're right, because after Adam's fall, um, nothing was careless anymore. You had to work to make things beautiful, right? So that's a bit of a downer. And then it goes even worse, because then... Because it's Yeats. <laughs> because it's Yeats. And then so they start talking a little bit about these, these, these couples of old that used to um, read poetry to each other and court correctly and, like, elaborately... And stuff like that. Gosh, I had to think what he'd look at what, if he looked at the world today. He was oh. looking. He was looking at his what well, 1903 world or whatever, and thinking it had gone to the well, dogs. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know. I don't know what he thinks now. At least they still at least they dated back then. Yeah, I know. And so then they say that at the talk of love, all three of them went silent. Though the beloveds pretty silent anyway. <laughs> anyway, and then they look at the moon, and it talks about the moon being um, what is it? 
washed by times of waters to look like a hollow shell. Okay, so then it's saying. Yeah, that's a really depressing so then the, image. The, then the poem's end result basically is that we have to work for everything that's beautiful, and in the end, the the. It all looks it'll, tired it'll, and sad it'll, anyway. It'll, it'll all be washed away by time anyway, and you know that's Adam's curse. Done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was interesting when I when I was going into this the um sort of looking into attempting to try and figure out what this poem was about before I actually read it so that I wasn't just walking into like suggesting a poem that was horrible or something. <laughs> it's very good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is the this notion of that beauty uh is something that needs to be worked for. Now, my immediate retort to that is that this was before I read it, mind you. Um, was the sunset, for example. Mm. Um, what work has gone into that? But I'm, I'm thinking now he wasn't necessarily looking at that, this from a kind of perspective of um, your more modern, like, Locke philosophers, where this kind of idea of human property that when we... that a human uh, takes possession of something and puts his stamp on it through his possession of it and the work that he puts into it. He wasn't necessarily saying that that is the precondition towards beauty, that beauty requires some kind of human effort to run it through some kind of process, beauty process to beautify it, Um, but rather that beauty does not come easily, Um, which, I mean, I agree with to a certain extent, but I would disagree with the notion that, and this is not necessarily what he's saying, uh, but that beauty comes about because of human effort. And I think we can all think of several examples of things that take a lot of effort, which aren't necessarily beautiful. Um, contemporary art, for example, uh, usually requires a lot of crazy amounts of effort to try and create this thing, um, but they're not necessarily beautiful. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. I, I don't know what your take on it, Victoria or Kiara is like, is beauty something that can only come about through great effort, whether that be through a uh, human means or through a great effort in a natural sense. I think, I think, I don't think Yeats is necessarily talking about the natural sense here at all. Like he's not talking about sunsets and flowers and Things that we, which is why the Adam's curse thing would come in. It's yeah, specifically it's, pertaining you know, to humans. it's pertaining to human beings and their, you know, and their and their and human beings' creativity, I suppose, because it's emphasizing that one. It's very much emphasizing that one. All things human beings do are contingent. Mm-hmm. They will come into being and they will pass out of being eventually. Like some things will be here longer than others, but they will eventually. Like Michelangelo Sistine Chapel will not be here mm. forever. You know. Mm. And as much as that pa- that thought pains me because I absolutely love that, you know, that whole chapel. Like I spent a good year of my life studying it. Um, you know, he, but he also makes a very good point that human being, anything of great beauty that you see has a lot of effort put into it. There's no such thing as effortless beauty. Like, he, there, there really, there really isn't. Like, in, if, in, and the, even, in the human, in the human sense, sense, there is no such thing as effortless beauty. Because even, even in a interior beauty, because that's born from years of practicing virtue. Mm. If you think about it, you know, if you think of a person who, like Mother Teresa, effortlessly, or, or Saint Teresa of Lisieux, or Saint Teresa, or feast or day Saint today. Teresa of Lisieux, who is whose feast day is today, um, beautiful, absolutely beautiful women. And seemingly effortlessly so, but only because they spent years of their life, their entire life, 
practicing virtues. And it was quite pa- a painful process for most of them. You read a story of a soul sometime. Um, it wasn't an easy process. You look at the Sistine Chapel. That that ceiling literally broke Michelangelo's body because he spent three years doing it, like, leaning back. It, destroy- it destroyed his back and it destroyed his eyesight. And even though he lived to age 94 and still painted the back wall of the Sistine Chapel at age at age 94 um, with no sketching, pre-sketching. He just went up and painted it all from memory. But that's what I think he's getting at when they set where the sense of sprezzatura is, that the great mm. masters don't necessarily have to do a lot of preparation. They can just imagine something in their head and translate it directly into words, into poetry, into paint, into whatever medium that they're using. But there's still a huge amount of effort required. Mm. It just becomes less... It becomes easier over time as you become more practised at it. Now, this is something that we have brought up before, um, was Mark Barnes's post about entropy. Mm. Um, and I'm wondering if that kind of goes into here, that left by itself, um, anything, I guess, especially after the fall and without uh, God's grace, things tend towards breakdown, destruction... Um, turn towards chaos, I guess, is probably an incorrect term, but a colloquial term that's used in this with regards to this. Do you think that that's something that's being sort of brought out there, is that beauty is something that is transcendent, but it's something that after the fall left to its own devices it doesn't moves away from its transcendent and that we as humans have the capability to be able to bring it back well, from its... Uh, from its entropic path. Well, it touches on that without the redeeming end end bit. Mm. Particularly, it really does focus on the things are things will waste away. And you know what? It's this is the beauty of poetry. It it displays that in its form. So as I was saying before, thirty nine lines. First one's a sonnet, which is perfection, poetic perfection, right? And then it just I'll take goes, your word for that, Victoria, because I don't know no better. <laughs> Um, in, in the in, uh, in in terms of the traditional sense, some people might think perfection is somewhere else, but in terms of academia, mm-hmm. right? And what was thought by you know those like Dryden and Pope and you know Virgil and those sort of things who wrote in heroic couplets, by the way, which is what this is in, um, rhyming rhyming lines, rhyming pairs, pairs of lines, pairs of rhymes. Okay. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. And so basically, it starts off with sonnet, right? And then it should go into a second sonnet. But no, there's enjambment, which means that it carries on. So the 14th line of the first counts as the first, first line, line for the second, yeah. right? So there's already there's already a breakdown. Not only that, but along with the enjambment is a slant rhyme or a half rhyme, which completely just throws the rhythm out. Throws everything out. Um, the it the first one ends with a um, with three ims, which is completely not allowed. It's where you get to the end, where the third stanza which is called the third stanza, but is actually broken into two parts, isn't even together. There's more slant rhyme, and right towards the end, the couplets stop. That explains why it was so hard for me to read the end of no, the No, no, it is. It's, it's, meant to be, it's meant to get harder yeah, as you start reading, as you get to the end. And um, I suppose the iambic pentameter is, um, is quite natural. It's how people talk usually. Now, someone got up all up you know, got their knickers in a twist in my unit about how we don't speak in iambic pentameter. That's not, well, true. However, basically, it's the heightened form of natural rhythm, right? So it starts in iambic and it breaks down. It's still, so 
basically when it's talking about working to make things beautiful and how even if we work to make them beautiful, they'll break down over time. I Most of the academics I looked into said that he was talking about poetry, uh, physical appearances, and love, right? So... But see, here's, here's, here's where I'd want to interject here and mm-hmm. go back to an episode that we did a while back, which was Leaf by Niggle. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the answer to Yeats's contention here mm-hmm. that things will break down eventually. Now, in Leaf by Niggle... They reach they, perfection. They reach perfection eventually. Not in this life, but in the heavenly Jerusalem. Mm. They reach that perfection. And that's kind of the answer, the counterpoint, I think, to Adam's curse here, which is that, yes, by its own appearances and because of Adam's curse, which he rightly points out, things do tend towards disorder, tend towards breakdown. Beauty tends towards breakdown. Poetry tends towards breakdown eventually. Um all poet, well, not all poet, uh, not all poetry survives. Like it's only as good as the paper it's written on. Exactly, that's exactly right. I mean, things. You know, in terms, not, might not be in terms of its literary no, 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 no. capacity, but in terms of its, you know, longevity, it's only as good as the The things of this world will pass away. Mm. Saint Paul says it. Mm. You know, this too shall pass. Italian proverb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like any the, these things will pass away, but the only thing that will remain is love, um, and I think that that's. Interesting, because of what you're saying here, that the academics contend that love will also this pass is, away. You must also keep in mind that he's writing this just before Maud, um, is, who he's been obsessed yeah. with, yeah. has is about to be married away. Um, and even towards the end of the poem, it says, I had a thought for no one's but your ears that you were beautiful and that I strove to love you in the um, the old highway of love. So he's saying he was striving to, you know, read poetry to her and court her in the correct way. That it had all seemed happy, and yet we'd grown as weary-hearted as the hollowed moon. Mm. So it doesn't. It, it you know it just ends in complete misery yeah. and dejection. Broken. But heart. I think I think that what what Yeats is possibly missing here, or maybe I mean I don't know if he's doing this on purpose. Um, if or it's if this poetry, is just the he usually is. If this is no, there's a, a lot state. of irony in this poem. Yeah, yeah. If this is just a state, because he's a Christian, although no, 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 no I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Say yeah, we that. were talking about this before, before, before you came here, Kiara, about some of the things he dabbled in. So maybe not. Um, so ignore what I said just there. Um, <laughs> but this kind of sense of yeah, I, I kind of I keep going back to it that. This is kind of only half the story, and it describes Adam's curse, but it's Adam's curse without Christ's redemption. Mm. It's it's uh, without the Paschal mystery, it's, without the resurrection. It's just oh, mea culpa, basically. It's not a Felix culpa. Yeah, yeah. It's it's anyway. It's um, that's really interesting. Actually, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> we can do this. We can do poetry. Yeah, I, 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 sh- I should probably point this out earlier, but I'm useless with poetry. I was so bad at poetry in Year Twelve English that my teacher said to me, "Kiara, please never write anything <laughs> like this ever again." That's horrible. Well, and I agreed with him. I said, "Sir, please don't ever make me write anything like this ever again." Um, so, you know, I always find it, I mean, the only, the only poetry I actually like is epic poetry because that tells us the exciting story. So I'm willing to oh, tolerate. Oh, we should do of, more of that. 
Yeah, the problem is they're all so long. Mm, Can we do yeah. the Odyssey? Oh, yes. <laughs> is it possible to do like one section of the Odyssey? <laughs> sure, I'm happy to do one section of the Odyssey. Just get um, a good translation. Going back to uh, Adam's Curse, though, I was also wondering, specifically with reference to the term Adam's Curse, mm. um, understanding that Yeats does have a Protestant background, and this is something that does separate... I'm not sure if we've spoken on this before, but something that separates Catholics and Protestants. I think I intended on speaking about it in um, in the one about communism. Um, the uh, animal, animal Farm. Farm. In Animal Farm, but I'm not sure if we ever actually did. And it's this notion of, do we work because of the fall? So, does does work exist because of the fall? Uh, what I mean by this is, if we were still living in the Garden of Eden, so to speak, um, would we be working? Would we need to put effort into things? Now... The Catholic would say yes. I've heard priests say in homilies that, you know, Adam would have been tending his garden or something. Yeah, that's... Something that's along the those lines. The Catholic, the, Catholic res- the Catholic... Because, I mean, it's often a bit of a response to the Protestant work ethic. Yeah. Um, the sense of the Protestants put a lot of effort into work, um, which is a good thing. I'm not going to argue with it. But just this, um, I guess, this cautiousness with the concept that if we had not been... If we had not fallen, we would not work. Now, Catholics would say that that's not true. And I think that's especially the case in things like what uh, Yeats is talking about here, that we would need to create beauty. We would want to be creating beautiful things. We would be contemplating things at the very least. And, you know, cultivating um, and... We'd be, we would still be walking with God through the garden, as Genesis speaks of, but this does not necessarily mean that our lives are idle and lazy. Um, that there is a certain sense of... No, indeed, um, they, would be tru- they would be truly leisurely. If you're looking at the true sense of the word leisure... Bingo. You know, it's, you know that's, that's, that's heaven. You know, you have the, t- the all those things that you think that you don't have the time to do that you would like to do, like to be an art, you know, to learn, to, you know, to draw, to create those I'm things that you... I'm going to by Nigel, I actually talked about this <laughs> Sorry, go on. You know, all those things that, you know, you'd like to do, like you think of all the things that you'd like to do. I'd like to be able to write poetry, but I don't have the time to sit down and learn the art of poetry. And this is where I think that... This kind of Luke's breaks got down. To the point. <laughs> this is where I think that this breaks down a little. Heart breaks down. Breaks down a little bit. <laughs> like the poem. Where and the universe um, <laughs> and everything. <laughs> where uh, this breaks down is this notion that I think that still, even before the fall, beauty would have required effort. Now, not in the same way. I don't think we would have a situation where women would be spending copious amounts, and men, copious amounts of time on attempting to beautify themselves precisely because I think that man, that is man and woman, would be much more capable of being able to see the beauty of the other uh, without the need for makeup, etc. But anyway, um, this, nonetheless, I think we need to sort of step away from this idea step away from this idea potentially that if it had not been for Adam, we would have no problem in being able to create beauty. Yeah, okay, we might not have had great issues, but I think there still would have been effort put into it. And 
we really need to finish up, I think. Oi. Um, because yes, Victoria needs to fly. So doesn't matter. Anyway. Doesn't continue. matter. Anyway, we probably should uh, should finish up. Um, so does anyone have any comments? Any um, That was really good, Victoria. I quite liked. Uh, yeah. Um, do you have a? Do you, um, does Victoria have a last word? Last okay. My last word is like with with most poetry, right? There's so much effort put into it that it would take ages to dissect it. Like I've got a piece of paper here. I've completely just demolished this poem, and there's so much that we haven't talked about. Um, so I don't know. Grab the poem yourself and have a look at it, and look over some of the things that we didn't look over. Like for instance, how the form. Uh, the the heroic couplet form um, kind of parallels with this exploration of coupling ideas or paradoxes or juxtapositions, like, for instance, courtly love versus modern love, or um, what have we got here? Uh, the Garden of Eden versus the fall, or the afternoon versus twilight, summer versus autumn. It's all explored here. Actually, this guy, Roy Lister, outlined eight of them, and they're amazing, and you could spend two hours talking on each one of them. Um, I don't know what else. I think yeah. that I think that's probably you know again we've um sort of you know it's 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 surpri- it's surprising like I first I first scanned this poem was like oh yeah words didn't register at all <laughs> um but when you actually sort of start probing it a bit you get into a very interesting discussion around the nature of beauty and mm-hmm. what it you know what what it means to create to create and where does it come from where does it go. In a way, if it goes anywhere. So you where did you to- come from, Cotton Eye Joe? Yes, yeah, so yeah. That's not an example of that's Australian that's not- poetry. Oh. Anyway, um, is it not? Maybe it's American. I think it's American. Oh, Cotton whatever. Joe. Um, I suppose you can come to, you know, you can come, you you can stop where Yeats stops, if you want, and come away feeling a little bit depressed, and you know, like the what is it? Uh, what is it? The last line, you know, and you can, you can come out being as weary-hearted as the hollow moon if you want, or you can sit there and go, well... Pick up the New Testament. Well, <laughs> not even pick up Leaf by Niggle. Oh, yeah, do that. they're talking about... Pick up se- both. Yeah, pick up both. <laughs> have, why not have both? Okay, not last off. You know, uh, or you could pick up any other sort of work of, you know, any other masterpiece. Like, you know, you could pick up The Last Judgment, for example, Michelangelo's Last Judgment. And you can see that beauty has, you know, beauty is, once you create beauty, it doesn't become, it's not about you anymore. It's not about the creator. It's about... Um, it's about the creator? Yeah, in a way, the creator. But it's also about, the, you know, the object, the object you know, that captures something that, oh, that is divine and universal and, tran- and transcendent. Okay, so... I think that's it. That's it? That's it? Okay. Well, I mean, I've just been quickly uh, smashing on my keyboard smashing um, to try and look for... And this kind of caught my eye. Um, It's a short story called Regret by Kate Chopin. I'm going to call her Kate Chopin because the, the composer... Chopin is pr- is spelt the same way. Is it Chopin? No, it's Chopin. Chopin. Isn't it's it Chopin. like Chopin? Is it Chopin? good or bad, Kiara? I've I read Kate Chopin in Year Eleven, one of her other books, The Awakening, yeah. and that was really depressing. 
Well, it's it's that interesting. Really it's interesting because the um the blurb that they put here on the introduction says a beautiful story hinting at the depths of a woman's emotional complexity. A great short story, one that could be easily <laughs> misunderstood by modern feminists. Which just sounds like <laughs> something we should definitely do. <laughs> All right, okay, let's go for it. All right, I'm game. I will put aside my so regrets by Kate Chopin. Um. Yeah, so what were you looking up to come across that out of curiosity? Uh, I just typed in short stories and this American literature website came up, which was like 20 great American short stories, which included, interestingly, one that I looked at at uni today called The Gift of the Magi. Um, oh. But anyway, we won't do that one. Um, it's got to do with marriage. It's interesting. Um, but yeah, Regret by Kate Chopin. Okay, it's happening. Same Let's bat time, this. same bat channel. Yeah. Well, probably not because we're like... But for yeah. you guys it is. Yeah. It's the same bat time and bat channel for you guys on the other Don't end. Don't be so introspective. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, stop, stop thinking about yourself. Like, um, <laughs> so, speaking of thinking about you guys, uh, call us up, send us an email, write on, write, on, write on our Cradio Facebook page. You should like Cradio, by the way, on Facebook if you haven't already. And, yeah, give us some suggestions of some works because um, we've kind of got lineups of books that, that are in a bit of a backlog that people have suggested. Um, but, I mean, getting a hold of them has been difficult. But we will so get to them eventually. if they're in the public sphere, that'd be great. Yeah, if you can find one that, yeah, is public domain. A, obscure, and B, out of copyright, that'd be fantastic. That would be fantastic and short. And short. <laughs> so, yes, we will meet you again in a fortnight, hopefully reading Regret by Kate Chopin. So, bye. Bye. That was an episode of Catholics Read from cradio.org.au.